Welcome to episode two of Wartime, where we get the privilege of interviewing Denise Sanders, a C-130 medic turned Apache pilot. Ever since Denise was a little kid, she had aspirations of becoming either a fighter pilot or a brain surgeon. On top of that, Denise came from a military family. So when asked why she wanted to be in the military, her response was, I don't know. I just always knew I wanted to be in the military. My grandfather was a B-17 pilot. My great-grandfather was in the, in, like, I have military family going all the way back to, like, the Civil War. Um, my father was in the Air Force. Although Denise didn't grow up as what she described a military brat, she knew the military is what she wanted. And she wasn't going to stop until her dreams of becoming a pilot were fulfilled. Denise scored high on her ASVAB, which is essentially the military entrance exam. And if you score high on that test, jobs within the military open up tremendously. I went to this recruiter and when he asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I either want to be a doctor or a fighter pilot, 17 years old. And he's like, well, you can't do that right out of high school, but here are the jobs that you can do right out of high school. And he starts listing off all these jobs. And he said, aeromedical evacuation technician. And I went, I'll take it. And he was like, do you want to know what it is? And I said, no, you said air and medical. Those are the two things I wanted to be. So let's combine them and I'll be that. So right out of high school, that's what Denise did. I was a aeromedical evacuation technician. And our job was to um, fly in and pick up wounded troops and fly, take care of, treat them in the air, in the, in the aircraft until we got them to higher echelons of care. And so I can honestly say that was one of the most rewarding jobs I can imagine having. Denise was an aeromedical evacuation technician for 15 years. She flew tours in Kosovo, Afghanistan, and Iraq. Denise served a few months in Kosovo on one tour and went on two tours in Afghanistan in the early 2000s, pretty much right after 9-11. While Denise was in Afghanistan, she was serving as a flight medic on C-130s. The C-130 is a large fixed-wing plane, one of the oldest that the Air Force still uses. Denise, along with her team, would be flown into these combat zones on the C-130 and pick up wounded soldiers and take them back to larger hospitals, which in Afghanistan, the hospitals were tense. So I say larger very lightly. Being a flight medic was rough. Oftentimes, Denise and her team would find themselves in sketchy situations. It was rough. It was rough. You constantly hear mortars going off and you're getting shot at. Like There was a time we were loading patients getting shot at. There were times where they'd have to land the C-130 in the middle of a combat zone with no runway. It was a process just to get the plane on the ground and secure the location around it. There was, there was one time we were flying into... Herat, I think. I don't remember. Anyways, there was this British guy sitting next to me and he had this big old bag with a bunch of antennas sticking out of it. And I was like, what are you doing? His job was to call the ground units about 15 minutes before the plane lands so they can set up a perimeter in order to protect the plane from the enemy. We had what was called Phoenix Ravens on the aircraft with us. And those are basically Air Force military police all, you know, with weapons. And their job was to protect the aircraft. So when the plane lands, they open up the back of the aircraft and the Phoenix Ravens run out of the back, surround the aircraft and secure a perimeter around it. On one occasion, the C-130 was there to resupply ground units as well. Next thing you know, all these dudes come running up to the back of the aircraft and they're like, 
scraggly long beards wearing, you know, they looked like the enemy, <laughs> you know, and they come and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And they just run up and throw one bag on the, on the aircraft and then grab a bag off the pallet, and took off again. Denise joined the Navy with intentions of becoming a pilot, preferably an F-16 pilot. It wasn't until her tour to Afghanistan, where she first got exposure to Army helicopter pilots and fell in love with rotary wing aircrafts. From there, I started trying to figure out how to transfer from the Air Force to the Army. So 2003 and 2004, I was calling recruiters everywhere I could think of to try and get information on how to transfer. Um, Even in that time, as recent as that, I was being told Army aviation is not conducive to females. Aren't you married? Don't you have a family to take care of? What does your husband think about you wanting to do this? I mean, it was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock because I was a female. Although Denise had these barriers, it wasn't going to stop her from joining Army Aviation and becoming a helicopter pilot. The battalion Denise was in was an Apache battalion. Because she was an Army reservist, she wasn't a part of the active duty selection. So when she went to flight school, she knew she was going to become an Apache pilot. But that's not the case for everyone. Active duty goes through a selection process based on physical and mental capabilities determined through a series of tests. And top of the class gets to pick which craft they get to pilot. Females in the classroom with Apache seats open, females predominantly picked either Chinooks or Blackhawks or another aircraft. So inherently, there's not a lot of female Apache pilots in the military. So when you'd come across a female Apache pilot as, a, as another female, it was a pretty big deal. I'm flying through Iraq one night and I don't remember what we were doing, but all of a sudden I hear a voice come across and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, is that you? (laughs) And we're just like, oh my God, what are you doing? And the guys are like, oh God, we're like, you don't understand what it's like to hear a female voice in the air in the middle of the night over Iraq. This is awesome. An Apache helicopter takes two people to effectively operate. You have the pilot and then you have the gunner. When Denise and her co-pilot would respond to ticks or troops in contact, as the gunner, Denise was responsible for radioing down to the ground troops to find out exactly what's needed. When they'd hear me come over the radio, um, you know, whoever it was, Reaper, whatever, this is Tiger 5-8, you'd hear a pause and be like, uh, yeah, Tiger 5-8, great to have you. Oftentimes, the ground units would forget they're on the same radio frequency as Denise. And I can hear the conversations between the, each other and the guys going, holy shit, we got a female up there. That's bad, <laughs> you know, and, or this is when I wish I went aviation. Denise and her team were oftentimes put in split second decision making situations. One thing they had to remember was a war is being fought where innocent people live. I'll honestly never forget we were coming in on a firefight, getting ready to attack. And I, we were looking for somebody and I came around and I swung my sight system around as we were coming around this building. And standing in the doorway of this house that they were targeting was a mother and her child. I get chills and almost choked up thinking about it because had I have not taking the few seconds it took me to really hone in my sight systems on that building, we were going to blow it up. Those decision-making skills are paramount. 
War isn't a video game, and one small mistake can have a forever lasting impact. Denise spent a lot of time operating within some of the harshest combat zones, although this instance took place in base camp. The date was March 4th, 2011, at Camp Taji in Iraq. And they were hitting us from two poo sites, point of origin sites. So they were firing at us from then. It was about 4.48 in the morning. <laughs> about 4.48 in the morning. We, I was in the shower getting ready to go for a mission. For We were second mission for that day. So I was up getting the shower, getting ready to go. Hearing the sounds of mortars was nothing new. But something was a little different. This one is one, two, three, four, five. Like, and they're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Denise was mid-shower. What do you do in a situation like this? Do you finish your shower? Do you try and find your clothes to put them on to run to the bunker? Or do you just run to the bunker without any clothes on? I'm slipping and sliding. I was literally praying to God out loud. Please don't let me die right now. Please don't let me die right now. Mm -hmm. Because the mortars were getting so close that you could feel the compression from it. Oh, my God. And it was so loud, just ringing in your ears. You're just like, holy shit. And when I busted out the shower trailer and started running for the bunker, everybody's coming out of their sleeping shoes. And it's like cockroaches, man, just running. Denise made it through the attack without any injuries. No deaths were recorded. Only shrapnel and concussion-related injuries from the explosions. There were an estimated 58 impacts around Camp Taji, and that number doesn't include airbursting mortars that never made impact. While Denise was an Apache pilot, she was assigned to a crew. There was two Apache helicopters per crew, so four people in the crew total. Before going on a mission, Denise and her crew would sit down and get briefed on the missions for the day. They would then sit down, just the four of them, and determine the positions that each helicopter was going to fly. Essentially, who's going to lead and who's going to follow. And at the end of the brief, they had to verbally agree the actions that they would take if one of the Apaches were to go down. One of us went down. The other one, obviously, you're going to stay on station and you're going to protect any from any of the enemy running in towards us. But if they did overtake the ground on the, the aircraft on the ground, the helicopter in the air would lob Hellfire missiles, let them all get in there and lob Hellfire missiles and blow us all up. The fear of having their bodies strung up and down the streets of Baghdad for everyone to watch was real. And making that agreement is very difficult to do. I mean, can you imagine having to blow up your best of friends, your brothers and sisters on the ground no. to save their dignity? And we had, to, we had to make a pact with each other and be like, are you okay with blowing us up? You have to be okay with blowing us up if it's warranted. Denise is one of the strongest women that I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with. She's been on multiple different deployments and outside of the military, has had two forms of cancer, cervical cancer, which she was able to beat and continue flying, and breast cancer. She's a single mom and should be considered a hero to us all. Denise retired as an Apache pilot in 2019 when she was diagnosed with her second form of cancer, breast cancer. By that time, she'd been with the military for 29 to 30 years and was supposed to complete her final tour to Afghanistan but unfortunately had a different battle to fight this time. Denise fought hard and beat breast cancer. 
Although she's not flying anymore, she's still involved with the military. I would first and foremost like to thank Denise Sanders and Logan for taking time out of their day to speak with me. I learned a ton from them both and hope that y'all enjoyed listening just as much as I did. Thank y'all for listening. I'm your host, Connor Odom, and this is Wartime.